If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey folks, it's Mark here. Just dropping in really quick to explain what this episode is and why it's here. So last week we were unable to record an episode because Chris was unwell. So what we've decided to do is release a split 7-inch. Now for people who are maybe unaware, um, our split 7-inches are episodes we release to our subscribers only. So this is our very first one that we ever done that we released to our subscribers way back about a year and a half ago. And if you like what you hear, then please go to unsungpod.net forward slash donate. We hope you enjoy it. Do you want to introduce us? Nah. That Dave, you're the host. <laughs> hi, so, I'm David. Hi, I'm David. And welcome to your bonus content. You are receiving this bonus content because you have asked for it. You're that, yeah. <laughs> you have paid for it. I don't know why you're getting this. Yeah. You're in the billionaires club, that's what it's called. I, mean, I could be going home and having my Waitrose mac and cheese, vegan mac and cheese right now, but I'm staying for an extra 20 minutes because you, listener... Have begged me to do this. We're doing this guy a favour. We're doing this guy a favour. We're doing um, whoever you might be. So this is the first unsung split seven inch. We're a bit like the Christmas episodes, but one chunk at a time. We're going to each answer a question, and the question uh, or the challenge this time around uh, is of the artists that have been nominated. Can you pick an album by them that, far from being an unsung classic, was an absolute howler? So that is the challenge that we sort of threw down to ourselves, but we're going to encourage you An guys to... An abhorrent mess. Yeah. Mm. We're going to encourage you guys to submit those and we'll do these splits of an inches uh, maybe once a month, something like that, to try and give a kind of regular bonus content. You are our most engaged listeners, so that's a goddamn fact. Uh, so, thanks a lot. Yep. Thank you. You allow me <laughs> to buy mac and cheese from Waitrose oh rather, God, yeah, totally. rather than from Tesco so I uh, keep it going thanks very what's wrong with Marshalls mate <laughs> um, so who, who wants to go first Chris I'll go first right, I was a wee bit torn so neither of mine come from a normal episode they both come from uh, one was a Christmas special fucking bending the rules already we've just no, started no, 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 no,
in, in the Christmas special I mentioned oh. In Rainbows by <laughs> In Rainbows by Radiohead There's going to be more of that Right Yeah Maybe it, it seems like bad form To nominate Radiohead For a fucking Howler album award But They have a, they have a few though So This is the thing I, I think Pablo Honey is one of the most Wretched fucking Alternative Brit rock albums Maybe Ever I mean it, it is bad it fu- But I mean it's Universally recognised as bad They still play Fucking creep they still play creep. Uh, it's no, just no, they don't. Yeah, they do. They stopped playing it for a long time. I don't think they play anymore. They still play it. No, they fucking I think played, played it, it quite the, recently. The yeah. fucking pyramid stage thing at Glastonbury. Yeah, that fucking sellouts. I mean, that <laughs> it's super forgettable, right? It's super forgettable. That the first track that you was all right, and he shows off his voice and shit, and that's where Muse came from, basically. Fuck me, I fucking hate the song Creep. I okay. fucking hate it. It's a high school song. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Obviously. That stop whispering, start shouting tune. And that, the, the thing about this album that killed me as well is that song Anyone Can Play Guitar. I'll, like uh, uh, what is it if the world turns and London burns I'll be standing on the beach with my guitar line is to this day probably one of the worst lyrics I've ever heard And then the whole album just degenerates into this beige and Brit rock mess. The thing is about Creep, I can kind of forgive them because it was so early in their career. What the fuck is the deal with Moonshape Pool? Why did Radiohead release Moonshape Pool? I haven't heard it because I've stopped caring about the careers it, since and then both. So, so the first track in it is a song called Burn the Witch, which is fine actually. It's a pretty decent song and it would have been on Hail to the Thief and mm. it would have been like, that's a pretty fucking decent little tune. That's, that's quite cool. with a video that everybody thought was really I don't know like subversive because it was like was it Plimpton or Plump yeah yeah um, like one of those 70s kids shows kids 70s show thing with this music over it and it it absolutely wasn't it just didn't fit the music it just was just really crap then it just goes into this like mulch of like completely beige Radiohead lights uh, outtakes there's there's a second disc that comes out in Rainbows which is outtakes and stuff and it's better than this album by some measure the only thing that saves this album other other than that first tune which is it's alright the only thing that saves us from the bin is the fifth track which is called Full Stop Full with one L which is a brilliant song and it's all the more infuriating that there is such a brilliant song on this album. Mm, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not their best work. Uh, I really like Daydreaming, though, the second track, that piano one. 
like it's really that was a single wasn't paired it? back was that a single or it was like some I, kind of I promo thing I mean, it's fucking nah it's um, oh, what's that one off in rainbows with the piano kind of that sort of vibe there's nothing off in rainbows that's anything near as boring as as this record I'm actually yawning thinking about them I don't like I think it's I think it's an average record it's not a total clanger though I don't think it's a shiner Full Stop makes it look more of a clanger because Full Stop is so good that I think it just arrives and it arrives fifth and you're like what the fuck is this doing here Uh, videotape that's the one I'm thinking of No, but I think Daydreaming's got that sort of very stripped back uh, thing to it. Videotape's really nice. got such a nice melody. Daydream, day, but it's it's. I, look, I'm not saying it's a good album. It's definitely not a good Radiohead album. But I don't think it's a total shiter. I think a moonshaped pool stands culturally so many heads and shoulders above the album I'm about to put forward. <laughs> right. Okay, I agree. <laughs> so, so that was it. I couldn't decide whether or not I hated Pablo Honey more because it's so. <laughs> Or whether I hated Moonshape Pool because Moonshape Pool to me was so disappointing and yet received so unanimously. Oh my God, it's Radiohead have brought out an album. And you're like, there's one tune in this album, maybe two at a push. And that pisses me off because I like Radiohead and they just weren't fucking trying. Anyway. Mm. I cannot wait to find out. What counts as a bad record for Dave? You know it's bad. (laughs) I know, I'm just a very forgiving person, aren't I? The anticipation is killing me. So I did, I looked through it and I was like, do you know what a lot, I mean, Venetian Snares has some average average records because just through a law of, you know, the yeah. the mass amount of music not he's offensively made. bad but just, not offensively just bad totally although fr- he fr- has also gone out there to try and make offensively bad music but in its own way it's very impressive yeah. uh, but I mean what what really stood out first of all was uh, Iron Maiden's 90s, 90s output, output. <laughs> uh, was that the, the one the Virtual Eleven or whatever it is well like- there was the two with Blaze Bailey One uh, fear of the dark, fear the dark with Bruce yeah. Dickinson before he left. Those three records are all absolutely fucking rancid. I seem to recall having a really fun time listening to them. Oh, when we did that so episode. bad. So Fear bad. the Dark's a really good song, but it's so much better live. Um, but everything yeah, else. Yeah, the production on that record is fucking shit. And everything produ- is garbage, yeah. Uh, but then they, they came back uh, with Brave New World when Bruce came back, and then they were good again. But no, none what, of them. What could possibly? What could possibly be worse than Iron Man's 90s, 90s output? 
It's corn. Away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fry. Right, first, I nearly, I nearly uh, put forward Untouchables, right? Because that was, to this day, the biggest disappointment in my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> corn issues, as I put forward in our new metal you're not Ross County fan. is a <laughs> fucking great record, and I wouldn't have anything heard against it. Uh, Untouchables cost three million dollars to make. It was the most expensive album at the time to come yeah. to be released. It was obviously released before Guns N' Roses' uh, Chinese Democracy. And the first song that came out was that one, uh, Here to Stay. Which is actually really good. And it sounds like like a mix of mortician, proper like doomy sludge. And Faith No More. Yeah. And it's actually a really good track. It's got like the good beat. When did, so when, I was so excited for that album. Hearing that record. Can I ask you Hearing something? that s- single. When did Aaliyah die? Uh, 2001, I think. 2002. Did she, did she live to see this album? <laughs> like, Because, <laughs> you know, she was, you remember that from that episode, she was really into corn. Uh, I think this came out in 2003, maybe. Uh, yeah, it did because I got it on the same day as I went to March Against the War in Iraq in Inverness. Oh, wow. I bought it. And this album is more disappointing (laughs) (laughs) than the Iraq War. Maybe not for the Iraqis. The album cover in itself is just one of the worst album covers I've ever seen. It's so brown and shit. Uh, Yeah, it's terrible. But anyway, that record's so bad, but it's not as bad as Corn. The Path of Totality from 2011 because what happened was Korn did a few albums after Untouchables and they were all pretty shit average blah 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 and then in 2011 they thought the cool thing to do would be to enlist dubstep producers because dubstep was cool guys I'm not sure if you remember 2011 but dubstep was cool because it had come up as like this sort of subgenre from grime in London. And I remember hearing this guy called DJ Distance on Giles Peterson in 2005. And it did this weird, long, ambient track called Taipan. some guitar in it that sounded like Pantera but it was like really weird and beautiful and I was like this genre is future there's so much future in this <laughs> genre uh, then what happened was Skrillex happened It became a joke of a genre. It was fucking horrible. All these, yeah, and like all these uh, producers just trying to like drop, you know, build up, drop, build up, drop. And it was like the start of EDM and this fucking horrendous dance music bullshit that we have now. There's the complete opposite of 
good electronic dance music. You so Corn decided to jump on that bandwagon after it become advert soundtrack bullshit. But there is a method to their madness because that's that weird thing where goths love dubstep. Like, oh yeah, because they, they fucking love that stuff, and it's like you, you know all those videos of them dancing under bridges and stuff. Like it's like it's this weird crossover. Between it's that's not a, weird that's though. A subculture. It's not weird though because there's there's no doubt that dubstep was the emergence of like a new type of heavy. The whole thing exactly. was like finding that drop, finding that sub bass, finding that riff. Like a lot of dubstep riffs are basically just like doom riffs or yeah. metal riffs, but on a synth. But the thing is, so, it dated so much. <laughs> and like it already now, nobody fucking listens to dubstep. Nobody makes dubstep anymore because it's fucking shit. It became so shit. People have obviously taken that dubstep influence and turned it into shit EDM and blah, blah, blah. But you know, no no artist of legitimacy is making dubstep now. Mm-hmm. Um, Any standard tracks? <laughs> so yeah, like it's just, but what's weird is like Korn are ostensibly a heavy band. Dubstep is this new heavy sort of music. Yeah. And then they enlisted Skrillex, uh, Noisa, Excision, all these like well-known uh, producers and they made the least heavy record ever. It's like somehow it's just like completely cancels each other out. Amazing. And it just sounds like shit video game soundtrack music. <laughs> I really want to hear it now. Oh, it's You're fucking bad. It. Like it's all really samey. There's no dynamic. Dubstep producers aren't exactly famed for their subtlety. This isn't like fucking Burial. This is fucking Skrillex. Every single track is just the same dynamic, the same audio compression. It's all... It's fucking shit. Is, is there a kind of political theme yet, given the path of totality thing? Is that... Uh, no? The humanity has failed. <laughs> Jonathan Davis is a fucking crackpot, man. I mean, like, to him, he would probably be motivated to write a political record when Obama got elected. That's the kind of mm-hmm. fucking loony tune that he is. You know, the, the thing is, like, after the first four albums, going into the 2000s, Corn created a lot of shit They should not have continued I refuse to believe it But mm. At least Those other albums Are just shit Right <laughs> This is Shit From an exact era This mm. is like Carbon dated Jobby <laughs> It's like They know ex- You listen to it And you're like I know that month when that was popular and oh it's fucking awful and you know what I Corn were my favourite band as a teenager I never saw them live because I lived in the Highlands of Scotland I saw Corn live once and it was on this fucking tour yeah, in 2011 Fieldy had glowing the dark uh, bass strings oh. uh, they played their first half they played with a producer and a mixer and they did like a dubstep half and then they went off and they came back and they did a proper half uh, it was dreadful <sighs> anyway that's so yeah but Moonshade Pool is fine isn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so I was kind of torn between two FI records, Burials and Crash Love. Fuck you. <laughs> fucking Burials by AFI. Are you just doing this to spite me? Because it's the only record that stood out for their whole fucking catalogue. Obviously. It's a great record. Well, it's uh, not a great record, but it's got four or five great songs in it. But I went for Crash Love because it is a nothing of an album. Fucking right you did. It, is, it has one good song on it, which is Medicaid, which was the single, the lead single. weird guitar solo which I fucking love the rest of it just doesn't really it's just not there it's just pure bland as fuck where was it in there so it came after the Zember Underground so it's 2009 pretty big at that point right? yeah so it's weird because we're coming off the back of you know that whole kind of emo kind of movement which was happening with my chemical romance and all that Aiden Aiden, yeah, and AF, Aiden were obviously quite indebted to AFI <laughs> in a huge way, sadly. Any other sexual predators? Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's yes. <laughs> Do a playlist. But there's another single on this record called... Um, Actually, be a good playlist as well, that's a sad bit. <laughs> the Pedo 20. <laughs> <laughs> there's a single on it called Beautiful Thieves, which basically sounds like them trying to be 30 seconds to Mars. That's what this record kind of feels like. It kind of well, feels that's like they're trying to be thirty seconds to Mars. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. And it's, it's also another thing that's really damning about it is CV Deluxe Edition. The four deluxe tracks at the end are all from the Zember Underground. There's two demos from Crash Love and there's one from Thing of Sorrow. And those four songs, which are unproduced, are miles better than anything on the record, <laughs> <laughs> like by a good long way. I cannot fucking believe you even swung close to nominating Burials. It's because it's, it just feels like a misfire, although I do like the vibe of it in terms of trying to do something a bit more different. This is them kind of going in themselves a wee bit, like December Underground feels like they're trying to incorporate more electronic and, and industrial elements and it doesn't really go that well for them and they kind of go back to basics with this in terms of like going straight back to guitars and not fucking about electronics as much, but they're also trying to just be like a rock band which they weren't really good at in the first place. Why would you even consider Burial? So it's got so many, like, it's got a bunch of Burials really... becomes like the synth pop record though, right? Yeah, but and it's got great songs on it. Has it. Got, it's got more good songs on it than Crash Off, which is why I went with Crash Off. It's got more good songs on it than any of their other albums, in my opinion, anyway. I, I don't think that's true. It's, that song, like, I, I mean, I have, this is the fifth show where I've mentioned this song, but Greater Than 84 is their best tune. It's got that and it's also got um, 17 Crimes, which is yeah, great. which is excellent. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. I mean, you're, you're an idiot. Can but I just, I, I just want to interject here, um, 
because we can do this because uh-huh. this is cash. But have you guys uh, heard Bring Me the Horizon lately? Yes. <laughs> no. I've heard them on, I I've heard them on Radio them. 1. Do you know what? I saw them live by accident. <sighs> so when they started, that first record sounded like Dillinger Escape Plan by a band that couldn't play their instruments. Yeah, right? they were a joke back then. Yeah, like they literally just couldn't play, but they were trying to do, you know, mathcore, and then they started all, you know, high-produced metal stuff. There was these two punks and sleazies on on Monday when I was DJing the Massive Attack. After show, yeah, commas. And uh, there were brother and sister. Apparently, like they kept coming up and going, "Oh, this is my sister." And um, they're like, "They're (laughs) so." She asked for a "Bring Me to the Horizon" song. I was like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that because you both look like you like crass or whatever." But. Like, oh, so I queued it up and listened to it. It's it sounds like a Vici. It was like, <laughs> oh, they've gone like full. It just sounded like a pop song, like wow. exactly like yep. that mm-hmm. template. And it, there was like no metal in it at all. Death, blow, look at you go, brought a T six two to a rodeo. So tall, it broke the fourth wall. Guess my fairy tale has a few plot holes. When I'm looking on the bright side now. And at least I thought like the album before was at least being like power metal, yeah. You know, like big choruses, what Lost Profits tried to be or whatever. But yeah, no, they've just gone turned into a pop band. It sounded like a Taylor Swift song. It's really odd. I felt like that when I checked back in in the nineteen seventy five after everybody talking about them, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Because when I first heard them, I made fun of them because they just sounded like NXS. Now they just, I mean, it's like there's nothing even there. It's just it's funny when yeah, just the bands suddenly decide. Oh, we'll go with the template, we'll mm. get the writers in, and it sounds so bad. Yeah. But obviously, they'll get big and famous off it. Another so. record on consideration for this, uh, and I need, to, I need to put out there that the only reason that I would have picked this record is because it's when the band really fell off the deep end. But Black Holes and Revelations by Muse. Now they've undoubtedly done they've undoubtedly done worse stuff since this record, right? But this is the last one I actually listened to entirely. Muse? When did we nominate Muse? It was Christmas, the Christmas. So I said Origin Symmetry. And it's only it's got no good songs on it at all. And everything afterwards is just like completely down now. Like the resistance and all that. It's fucking awful. But uh, that kinda isn't so much a Howler is it, it is the pre-Howler to what would be the creator of sense. We've birthed a good few ideas. Yeah, it's the pre-Howler is the is the step towards utter utter yeah, stadium dominance, but also complete fucking fucking grill. I think if, there was no way back. I think the only other thing I was thinking about doing was Hole, because obviously I nominated Love Through This. Mm-hmm. I don't think a band in the space of only four albums has had a more fucking disastrous trajectory than whole because Celebrity Skin 
is way overproduced, horribly slick. It's Courtney Love's bad side coming out where they got rid of Patty Schemmel and got this fucking session guy in to do the whole drum thing all again. It's mm-hmm. in that um, it's in that documentary hit so hard. Mm-hmm. It's a great documentary, by the way, really interesting. Uh, and then for that uh, Nobody's Daughter album, the fourth one, which was basically a Courtney Love album, but her previous solo album had flopped, so she thought, damn it, I'll tag it on to, to the whole catalogue, and it is abysmal. empty tries to emulate hole at various places is just it's just a horrible photocopy of itself I would maybe have done them but I, the thing that really stood out when I when I considered them was holy shit they only had four albums and they went like like that it is dire there is a song in Celebrity Skin though called Boys on the Radio which wasn't I don't think it was a single and it is fucking excellent Really, really good song. It has like four choruses. Another uh, terrible, terrible album by an artist that uh, we've nominated would be Animal Rights by Moby. <laughs> <laughs> dick. I mean, to be fair, there's a, not that album, but there's a lot of really terrible albums that really beige albums by Moby yeah, that could have picked. That seemed like shooting fish in a barrel. There's yeah, a, couple of, a couple of early Depeche Mode albums which are rotten as well it's the same with Talk Talk actually yeah. like, like the definitely whole, the whole point <laughs> of Talk Talk was their you know first few records were pretty shit but um, nothing comes close to Path of Totality I don't I think anything we've ever done <laughs> or any band we've covered so far I'm ever gonna, comes close to that no, I, I, like, I'm going to have to listen to it a, a new low in a six album Descent. There were, I think there were five records in a row that were fucking awful, but even this one <laughs> stood out as like a new trough. It was the Mariana Trench. <laughs> next thing you know, he's on the fucking, ocean. Next thing you know, Jonathan Davis is on Infowars in his car, filming from like waist high because he thinks people are watching him, <laughs> telling Alex Jones about how he's got secret information on the, the New World Order's conspiracy. He's a fucking good. Mm. Is, that, is that actually true? Yes. I thought you just made that up. Totally, fucking wild. Totally <laughs> true. He did an interview with Alex Jones. Alex Jones was speaking to him about gun rights, and Jonathan Davis is a big gun advocate. And he films the thing from down near the gear stick, so it's up the way up his nose the whole time. And he's like, "Why are you doing that?" He's like, "So I think they're watching me, and I don't want them in." <laughs> it's just mental. Well, when we think about the raping of our privacy, I mean, it's beyond 1984. Oh, it is, Steve. They're everywhere. I mean, look at it. Big Brother's alive and well. I mean, you're looking at me on my camera phone. I mean, it wasn't about putting up cameras. I think we already all got the cameras everywhere. everywhere. You can't tell me that there's no back doors for everybody to see. You know, for the powers that be can see what we're doing and watch what we're doing at all times. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. And I think it needs to go. They're, getting ready to, they're building a huge-ass building. The NSA is for all the spying, and it's just going to get worse and worse. And I mean, it's scary times, brother. That's right, and it's totally illegal as well, but they're just doing it. And, and I so, yeah, it was on the cards. Mm, drugs. 
Anyway, uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for paying. Dear voters. Thanks for dear your money. Peers. Yeah. We'll do more um, of these. Please give us some suggestions. But we'll, you should also go vote for this. Nah, don't no. go do that. Just just comment on it. Yeah, just tell us what you liked and what you didn't like and if you want to hear more of it. And if you don't want to hear more yeah. of it, then fuck you. Comment on it and give us some questions, please. Yes. And we'll, we'll try and get Yeah, suggestions as well of terrible records. When is not just. We send you our love. Thanks. Okay, bye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.